Hey there, everyone. My name is Emil, and you're listening to another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night. You know, I have been meaning to shift my release schedule to earlier in the week. Monday even, but I never thought I'd be reaching that goal in this manner. Don't worry though, I still have an episode in the hopper for this week, so I'm not gonna miss out on a week of content. That's mostly been my week really, just trying to catch up with the recording and the editing. As far as games go though, my guild just claimed its very own guild hall in Guild Wars 2, and as for Hearthstone, I just made enough gold to buy the second wing of the new expansion, so that's fun. Really want to catch up on a bunch of gaming. I've been hoping to try out the new raids in GW2 when I can finally get my guild together for a proper schedule. That's it for my week now though, so on to this week's episode. This week, I speak with Miss Nika Lau. She's a video game producer, a teacher, and overall game development industry advocate. She's currently taking her master's degree in technology management at the University of the Philippines, and we get to talking about the games industry, teaching, and even her love for Dungeons and Dragons. I met Nika through a mutual friend, and on this episode, I get to know her. Hopefully, all of you listening enjoy getting to know her too. If you enjoy stuff like this, I'll be bringing you conversations about life and video games every week. Okay, that's it for this intro. Gotta get back to editing the next episode that should be coming out this week. Oh man, I gotta catch up. Here's Emil in the Morning at Night, episode 16, with Miss Nika Lau. <laughs> so you're my first uh, podcast interviewer. I have friends who do podcasts, but yeah, I haven't been to their podcast. Yet. Oh, okay, okay. So this is gonna be a first. That's interesting. All right, yes. so let's start. Yes. Game. Welcome to another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night, where I talk to interesting people over a cup of coffee at night. And joining us today is Miss Nika Lau. Say hi, Nika. Hi, hi everyone. <laughs> hi, fans. <laughs> hey there. Um, I met you randomly through a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah. Um, maybe tell the listeners a bit about yourself. So I am pretty much a game producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently a student right now. I'm taking up masters in technology management at UP Diliman. Mm-hmm. My undergrad is you know computer science nothing nothing interesting really but oh come on <laughs> <laughs> but i have specialized in interactive multimedia which is pretty much the game development track so even before then i kind of knew that you know game development is for me like I, I have to be in games it doesn't really have to be like video game or any format just games i love games all right for me like this is very exciting because i always try to get people who are into games mostly i would be interviewing the video game consumers Mm -hmm. the video game enthusiasts, things like that. I'm trying to get more, but like very rarely do I get the actual video game designers. Um, So that's very exciting to me to be talking to someone who has video games at the center of her life, you know? So, so far you're a video game producer, you've done QA, you've done level design, um, you've given lectures at CSB, right? And you've actually also been a voice actress for some of your games, yeah? Well, it wasn't really as thorough as like, you know, subbing whole episodes worth of things. <laughs> it's just, you know, some reactions, like female reactions would go shrieking when, okay, so this is a funny game for okay. Secret Six. Uh, we had this game called Eye Popper where basically you put this contact lens and your game avatar's eye. So obviously, she has to react, right? Of like, course. If you poke someone's eye randomly, someone They're not gonna stand there and yeah. like not yeah. do anything. She has to shriek or say, good job! <laughs> so I, I would be that perky, funny character. And I'm glad the client liked it. Oh, alright. It, it was a one-time thing. Uh, I'd like to uh, mm-hmm. correct you though. I mean, yeah. uh, when I meant lecture at CSB, I actually taught game design. It's a subject. I taught a couple 
couple of batches. The first batch who graduated actually worked at Secret Six and some of them are my programmers for a couple of projects that I made. It was kind of funny because I wasn't really that old at that time. I've only been working for a couple of years in the industry and I had students who were calling me Miss and then a couple of years later they're my colleagues and they still yeah, call me Miss yeah. Nika. That's always a weird thing when you like just graduate from school and you still feeling young and then the yeah. kids start calling you Miss, Ma'am, Mr. Sir Naman, stuff like that. Okay, so you didn't just give like a talk at CSB or anything like no. that. You were actually teaching there. Like what First subjects batch, would you teach actually. and things like that? I taught game design and game production. At so, CSB, at huh? At CSB. Okay. So a lot of the guards would actually, you know, block my way sometimes and ask me, this is a faculty only access and they'd be, <laughs> they'd be stopping me and I have to flash them my ID before they believe me. And sometimes they would have to double check, like really check and, you know. Uh, Teacher ka ba talaga? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, they always think that I'm a student, especially since CSB, ITGDD students have to wear formal clothes because they wear with the management department. So okay. a lot of students are wearing their formal clothes. So it's kind of hard to identify profs from the students. And I'm not helping because I kind of <laughs> dress up. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. J-pop fashion. Oh, really? You're into that kind of stuff too, huh? So yeah. not only are you into the video games and stuff, you're also into the Japanese culture. Can you of tell course. us more about that? Well, I've cosplayed before as like Princess Tutu. Oh, cosplay. Yeah, I love that shit. And, uh, yeah. Wind Ranger from Dota 2. I have a couple of projects coming up. This Halloween, I actually cosplayed as Cheryl No from Macros Frontier, if you know her. But, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Macros. Oh, that's cool. I mean, oh, man. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a guest on so far that has been into the cosplay thing because most of my guests are into the video games. Yeah. Most of my guests are into the anime, but none of them have like taken that step into cosplay. And you're probably the first one here that has been into cosplay. I have a lot of interest, honestly. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to balance my time. And, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, like, off mic, you told me so many things about you. And, like, <laughs> I'm actually not sure where to start. I'd love to focus on the video games, but I just want to talk about all your other interests. I mean, you even listed your D&D &D characters here. Yeah. That's pretty amazing <laughs> to me, yeah. Our group is actually nearing its first anniversary, yes. First anniversary. First anniversary. Okay. Uh, we pretty much go through it episodic. Like, we have this very cool and very awesome DM. He's a game designer at All right. Boom Zap. Boom Zap. Yeah. I've heard that name before in yeah. a previous interview with yeah. Luna Cruz. What yeah. A, she used to work there. It's that, a small world. Yeah. Everyone that, kinda knows so her. you know Luna, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> she's one of the mentors I look up. If she's the pioneer in video games, we're probably the second wave. We're in. We're the ones linking up with the education side, academe and industry. So they're the ones who introduce video game industry here in the Philippines. And mm -hmm. then I guess a second wave, how can we improve and expand on the current video game industry, right? Uh -huh. So we would be, well, I guess, training the third wave. So that's where the teaching comes in. Oh man, that's super cool. You, you so wanted to give back to the industry that you're in. You want more people to be into the things that you like. Yeah. Actually, right now, we're having this GDL. It's mm -hmm. the Game Developers League. The Game Developers League. Okay, what is that? It's a competition wherein game developers also want to have fun. Like, we can't be pro gamers <laughs> because we have our own careers, Yeah, right? for sure. You guys design the games. Yeah, so we design games, but sometimes a lot of us would like to be competitive. So, so what is this Game Developers League? It's actually an initiative by one of the Secret Six game designers. I know, game designers have all these ideas. <laughs> so they've seen a lot of office tournaments. Sometimes teams would have this Christmas tournaments where they would form groups and, you know, just 
just compete with each other either in Dota, Hearthstone, Starcraft 2 before. So they've seen the interest of these game developers. We want to be competitive in games too, but it's not like as if we are at the level where we can join pro yeah, tournaments. Yeah, right? I mean so, like ibang klase na yung level yeah, ng pro gamers. Eh? Yeah, for sure. We have our own careers to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in order to cater to us, Narena, we want to get together, be competitive, have a bit of friendly competition. So you guys made your own league, yeah? Yeah, and it's inter-game dev company. Like, we try to huh. ask people from Gameloft, from indie studios, Secret Six, K-Lab, Anino, well, they're Playlab now. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of companies that we've invited over. Oh man, that's super cool. I'm learning so much more about the local game industry here. I mean, like, not only is there a booming, very active game industry here but you guys are also super close buds hanging out and like with your own video game league too well <laughs> game devs usually get into game dev industry because they want to play games yeah and make games. i'm sure that if i was a game developer i'd be super into games yeah yeah <laughs> there was that pause there because yeah. i'm pretty sure you've heard this from luna but okay game developers don't really have a lot of time to play games that they oh, want sometimes yeah i'm sure it takes a lot of time to develop a game so like the weird paradox there is that you get into game design because you love games so yeah. much but then suddenly you don't have time to play the games you love exactly so how is it being like a game designer you love games so much but now that you're designing the games you can't actually play well i guess it's more of you're playing the games again and again just this one type of game for mm -hmm. example you're designing a puzzle game so you have to keep on playing puzzle games so that you're in that zone and you find that element or feature that you want to develop and polish to be a, this game that you want to make so when you play a certain type of game again and again you get this sort of feeling that i'm not playing the games i want to play oh Did all you right know? all right um i have a boss who told me before that you know what you should actually start playing more casual games because I was so into sorry I, ha I have to confess that I've been so addicted to Dota like every lunch break for sure I would eat as quickly as I can and within that one hour lunch break I would be playing oh, man. one match with my office mates <laughs> it's, it's practically part of our work schedule yeah I was like that for a while with Heroes of uh, Heroes of the Storm? No, no, no. Um, Heroes, Heroes of New, New Earth. Earth. Heroes of yeah. New Earth. Yeah. And even League of Legends for a while, but I like fell off that. Mostly I play Heroes of the Storm nowadays mm -hmm. and Hearthstone. And like I'm super addicted into that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, um, casual games. And you've been mentioning a while ago, like over and over again, but I haven't been able to ask. Uh, Secret mm -hmm. Six. Mm -hmm. You've been mentioning that name a lot. What oh. is Secret Six? Secret Six is an outsourcing company. They started off as an art outsourcing. If you know The Last of Us and basically Naughty Dog. They make art assets for them, Art Uncharted. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. super cool! They're pretty much not as well known locally compared mm -hmm. to abroad, I guess. But okay, so here's the history. Secret Six was an art outsourcing company. And then they became a game dev company that catered end-to-end. -end. And then nowadays, I think they're also trying their hands into making IPs. But in general, they're still outsourcing games. Alright. Uh, the studio of Secret Six has been like I guess I would say that they're exposed in a way that because GDAP's Emperor mm -hmm. also known as Alvin Juban at that time was 
affiliated with Secret Six. So he would go on about you know promoting Secret Six. So that's where they got a lot of graduates from CSB. Most of my students actually went there, and a good number of them are enjoying their careers at Secret Six as programmers, artists. So Secret Six like has worked with big name companies like Naughty uh, Dog, but yeah. here in the local consciousness, it's not really on the map. Yeah. Yeah, because we're outsourcing our skills, and a huge example here is that you'd be surprised that Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Generations. Yu-Gi-Oh! It's, okay. It's Yu-Gi-Oh! It's a big name. It's a big franchise. Everyone knows the hair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that hair. Uh-huh. Yami Yugi and uh-huh. Everyone knows Kaiba. the Exodia. Everyone yeah. knows the blue eyes, blue white, eyes dragon. white dragon. Exactly. So, the dark magician girl. I've actually been a producer for that game. It was released in tablets. They're actually outsourced by Konami. Mm-hmm. So Konami Japan was busy doing like their projects and all that. And there was Konami US who was handling the Xbox or console version of it. So they had to have it ported. And because Secret Six had a sister company called Other Ocean where they would basically send us over projects that we could handle. They think we could handle. Okay. And then when given the opportunity, of course we'd work on that gladly. <laughs> a lot of us are looking forward to more projects from Konami. So there, um, there was that opportunity. So Secret Six ported Dual Generations and the art assets, they, they were really strict with Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's how like the bigger companies work. They're very strict with how you portray their IP, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't just flip images or, you know, tweak any coloring. You know, whatever is shown in the TV or how it is supposed to be depicted or how, you know, Konami thinks that <laughs> this franchise should look, you cannot change anything at all. Even exactly, if, yeah. Even if you flip that, that's yeah. a major, major issue. Yeah, there. Yami Yugi's hair should be just yeah. like that. Yeah. You can't, you can't shower him and depict him with flat hair. Yeah, he, like, he can't have yeah. bangs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can't have bangs. It, it's, it's pretty enlightening for me because that's one of the franchises that I've worked with that were really strict with their artwork. Okay, so you've mentioned so far that Secret Six, you've been working with them, yes? And you guys have worked with things like Naughty Dog. You guys have released Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Generations yeah. for the tablets. I mean, you talk about it so matter-of-factly, but to like a regular Joe, like hearing those names like Naughty Dog, Last of Us, hearing the name Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Pa lang eh, parang, oh, whoa, that's a gigantic <laughs> thing and you guys have worked with it. Yeah. And like, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But like, like I said earlier, within the public consciousness, you guys aren't necessarily like on the map. You guys are more of like a behind the scenes sort of studio, yeah? And to me, that's something that's been like sort of a recurring discussion here on the podcast. Like whenever I talk to local talent, whenever I talk to local artists, developers, things like that, they've worked with these big name companies, but like locally, it just doesn't seem to resonate with the public here. Why do you think that is? Well, we're ninja developers. Not because, you know, we want to be ninja developers. But sometimes, um, I recently shared an article about how a lot of studios are, you know, being paid to make their work, get their work done, and then not being credited properly. So in that sense, I'm actually very thankful that I have my bosses from Anino Games at that time, now Play Lab, All right. uh, and Secret Six, were pretty adamant about getting their names in the credits because that's an important thing. I know, I mean, if you watch a movie or you play a game, you don't really look it, at the credits. Yeah. You don't really pay attention to the credits, yeah. But after getting into the game dev industry, I make it to a point to at least scroll through it. I mean, even Mm -hmm. then, I mean, I would at least attempt to read a couple of names, maybe, (laughs) I mean, like, being a content creator, it's a big deal to see your name up there, yeah? That's true. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So, being 
this type of developer is nothing new in the industry because I mean some would pay a higher price just to like get your name out or have this NDA where you can't talk about doing <laughs> yeah. this game but then at least you're well compensated for it but if you get this bigger funding and then come out to create your own game I guess that's the happier ending for some some developers, some developers yeah yeah because for sure they needed the funds to, mm-hmm. to fund their own IP and like there's nothing better to prove your worth out there than having your name on the project yeah so there are two sides of the coin where you're happy that you know your name is out there being credited or you don't mind not being credited but then you release your own game oh and yeah for that sure sort of satisfaction that comes out with you know having your own game yeah 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 I mean like working with a game development studio working with the big name companies I think we've talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast one of my guests I think Gunship Revolution mentioned mm-hmm. that they actually enjoy working on their own stuff a lot more because some of these companies can be very strict with like you mentioned yeah. earlier with how their work is represented yeah. so that allows for less of a creative freedom than usual mm-hmm. and like you said creating your own game is very satisfying because that comes from you exactly mm-hmm. and a lot of people come into game development thinking that I have these ideas I want to make oh, I have these yeah. games in my mind that has been bugging me since like I don't know how young but mm-hmm. some people would have this nagging game at the back of their minds and actually one of the things I tell my students in game design is that you have to start small you can't just think that you know I'm gonna make this triple A game that's gonna <laughs> defeat all the mother of triple A games out yeah, there yeah. you have to start small because you have to make these mistakes that you know you can learn from it's not as if like you could start making your own game and not encounter any problems and get right? it perfect right off the right bat right off yeah? the bat there's uh-huh. no one like that there's no way yeah, there's no yeah. way you're gonna be able to do that so what I usually tell them is either get experience as a student or just you know start with small projects and then once you're getting used to the flow of how to make a game what sort of engines you'd like to use what technologies would suit your needs mm-hmm. when you, you're designing that game that's the time that you I guess you start small and then you go mid-core and then you know so once you get to grips with all the tools in the space yeah then, yeah, exactly. then you start going for it now that we're talking about that now that we're talking about like you like talking to your students interacting <laughs> with your students yeah. that's something I want to talk about actually yeah. because usually I don't get to talk to teachers I don't get to talk to people who get to interact with a younger generation and now that They're we're talking that about much younger for sure for sure I mean like it was super interesting a while ago I mean we mentioned that I was able to interview the first generation mm-hmm. and you called yourself like the second generation mm-hmm. and now you're kind of training the third with your experience as a teacher now mm-hmm. and with your experience lecturing the younger generation that's in college right now not much younger than us mm-hmm. we're not yeah. that old guys <laughs> but with your interactions with them what have you experienced so far like what have you seen within the younger generation that's different from ours in a way it's actually a learning experience for me as well I mean the only teaching skills that I pick up was during college when we had LTS LTS what is that <laughs> it's literacy training community service okay you okay. know CW uh, what, what's it called in college oh CW, yeah yeah something like that CWCS yes yeah, yes yes CWCS. thank you Donna yes. Donna's here beside us mm-hmm. as usual okay mm-hmm. CWCS so there's LTS where you teach less fortunate kids and okay. reach out to them teach them math English so well I love talking since I'm an extrovert so <laughs> I, 
I have a lot of things to say. So in, in that way, I was actually learning along with them while teaching. I have to do also research and you know reconfirm things I've learned because what I taught them was what I've learned in college back then, mm-hmm. which was again I took up interactive multimedia at Ateneo and we had game design classes. So whatever I learned from school and whatever I've learned in the industry, I pretty much just tell them what we do in the company. I mix my lectures with samples with what we do in the company. So it was a bit of a storytelling experience where I would teach them concepts and then relate it to how it would be applicable to the industry. Okay. In terms of teaching them, I think it's really two-way. I taught them, sure, but they taught me a lot of things too because huh. I've been forced to study as well. That's always good. So, I believe that the best teacher is still always learning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm learning with them. I've been like evolving with them. Actually, right now, I'm taking my master's, right? Mm-hmm. So I've met lots of teachers and their teaching styles are very interesting. And I've had a couple of talks with some of the older, you know, more experienced professors who had ideas on how to approach teaching game design class or a game development class. Actually, I've been searching and learning about gamification and that's something that if I go back to the academe after I graduate, mm-hmm. I'd like to apply to my class. Um, gamification, gamification, huh? Okay, yeah. for our listeners, what is that? Gamification is basically you gamify <laughs> anything, really, anything. Really. Okay. So, for example, in the classroom setup, nowadays students are you know getting less interested because there's a lot of distractions. There's the computer, there's the mobile, there's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. laptops. There's really a lot of things to distract students. So how do you keep them interested? How do you keep them on track? Yeah. yeah. So by actually focusing on what can get them interested. I mean, not a lot of students would listen to a professor. Some would prefer giving the lectures themselves like mm-hmm. presentations. Yeah, for sure. And then some would love taking the exams because they're good at memorizing. Yeah, personally, I yeah. never enjoyed lectures myself. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that students excel at in different ways that you can grade. Mm-hmm. So in gamifying that experience, my idea is to have these students have the option to go for whichever format they, you know, that they potentially want. learn best from. Yeah, that okay. they want. So the same way that when you play an RPG, let's say, you're at level 1 right. you have this stat charisma strength dex so instead of those stats you have this um, let's say group lectures or written uh, exams oral participation you know having these I guess I would call them skills skills where you can level right. up and give points to and then instead of requiring like 10% here 10% there 35% there why not have them balance it have them customize their experience their classroom experience huh. Okay, so, that's interesting. So what you're saying is you're applying, like for example, in an RPG, mm-hmm. you would always have a build. Yeah. For example, you're a thief. You want high agi, high dex. Exactly. Or if you're a warrior, you're a big beefy warrior, you want to put all your points in constitution. You want exactly, all your points in strength. Right? So what you want to do is you want to give that power to the students, yeah? Exactly. Huh, so, that's super interesting. I know. Okay. I mean, it's something that I've been looking into, researching, thinking about. It's something that I kind of want to apply to the classroom setting and see how it goes because you cater to where they excel and huh. and giving these students the confidence that they can do it they can 
excel in it. I mean, sure, they have their own specialties, but not everyone learns the same way. Yeah, for sure. By having them excited about something, they'd be learning more. I guess you would say they'd be more enthusiastic with school now, right? Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting concept to me, though. Like giving the power to the students on how they learn. Want to learn. Basically, yeah. their build. So if I were a student in your class and let's say I excelled at presentations, yeah, exactly. I would put all my stats there, and mm-hmm. the bulk of my grade would be weighed in that direction. Is that how that yeah. works? Um, as for how to compute, it's still in the works. I'm still looking into it. Like, do I require just a specific experience points, and then you know <laughs> they right. can just max everything in that group presentation and basically you know, just grind group presentation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There's also the factor of finding a way to fit that in the schedule. Of mm-hmm. course, it's per semester. You can't really expect that you can fit all of it in if everyone wanted to present, right? Yeah, you're still kind of limited by the school system, limited by the infrastructure of the school yeah, so, so you have to work around that it's something that I've been thinking about actually if it's something I could research more on and then implement later on it's one of those things that as a student since I've been on the other side of the room <laughs> yeah. as a professor uh-huh. and then I'm now a student again mm-hmm. I've been thinking how can I make this more interesting how can I bring myself to be more interested in what my professor is talking oh, about oh man that's super cool that's the first time I'm hearing of a concept like that not just like straight up gamifying something not just straight up like okay if you do this you gain points yeah. for it if you do this you gain experience points for it mm-hmm. not just that you're actually incorporating like a role-playing element to this exactly, like right? playing to the strengths of the student and that's the first time I'm hearing of a system like this that actually values what the students are good at and that's a very admirable thing you're doing right now like <laughs> it's not there yet I mean it's all <laughs> in my mind so okay 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 it's the first time I've actually talked about it like, really I'm very happy that you decided <laughs> to share it here with us today well <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of shy because I, I don't think I've been like the best professor around. Oh, like, come on, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm new to this thing, okay? Teaching is a craft. I mean, sure, I like talking about it. I mean, I like discussing with people, but it's more of at the same level. Sometimes I've been told that I guess I'm too much like a student at times. All so right. there's that feeling of, I guess I, I don't feel old enough to be a professor, <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel too young sometimes. And it hampers. I mean, I'm thinking, what can I do to make sure that, you know, I'd be able to help these students out that once they're in the industry, people would say, oh, okay, so they're students of this person, so and so, and she's a good professor. And that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to pursue after mm-hmm. I graduate, maybe. Graduate my master's. Yeah, yeah, your master's. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that, like, a lot of people don't realize immediately when you're, like, thrown into the real world after college, after all the schooling. Like, once you get to your job, once you get to like maybe being a teacher, maybe being a businessman, maybe being like anything you mm-hmm. set out to be, really, yeah. you're never gonna feel like you completely fit in there. You're mm-hmm. always gonna feel like, but I'm so young or like, mm-hmm. but I'm so inexperienced. And I think that's just like one of the first steps into actually becoming like what you set out to be. You might not think you're a teacher just yet, but I'm sure like so many other people out there that you've already affected, that you've already teached, teached? How do you English? <laughs> taught. <laughs> All these people you've already taught like deem you 
as a teacher. And like, I guess that's just one of the things that you have to get over, like yeah. as an individual, you know? Well, I try, we all try our best, right? So we wanted to be better at things we're doing. So uh, again, it's not just teaching. I have a lot of dreams as well. The problem with me is I need to focus sometimes. Like I have a lot of things I'm interested in. And you know, with such short lifespan that oh, we man. humans have. Yeah, tell like me about elves, it. Uh -huh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's hard to accomplish all of these things. Like, it makes me wonder how Leonardo da Vinci and all these Renaissance men. All these great people. Yeah, great people managed to do everything they did during their lifetime. Right? I'm completely relating to you right now because like I'm into so many things too and I can't imagine having all the time to pursue everything I want in life and I guess like maybe just take it one step at a time yeah? yeah okay so so far we've talked about your career we've talked about your teaching we've talked about your dreams we've also talked about your interesting way of teaching like the RPG setup <laughs> yeah. we've talked about a lot so far we've talked uh -huh. about Secret Six we've talked about your master's degree and for now we're gonna be taking a short break all and right. when we get back we'll be back here at a meal in the morning at night with Miss Nika Lauto have a bit more of a conversation yeah? yeah we'll be back after a short break you're listening to a meal in the morning at night honestly I don't have much to say here just yet but if you have any ideas or if you would like me to talk about your stuff in this section send us an email over at a meal in the morning at gmail.com now I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far so let's get right back to it Good. Um, welcome back. Um, we're back here on Emil in the Morning at Night with Miss Nika Lau. And what were we yeah. talking about earlier? Um, that was a pretty long break, actually. I think I've lost my own place. We were talking about um, how you deal with your students, I think. Is that right? I think we move on to, <laughs> to another topic. Oh, man. I just can't. <laughs> you can't remember. Oh, man. I have failed us as a host. I have failed us. Okay, but anyways, now that I'm thinking of that topic, now that I'm thinking of you talking to your students and things like that, and how you interact with them, how you're trying to teach the younger generation, and I was actually curious, and I actually wanted to ask you, how did you get into the gaming industry? I mean, when you graduated, you went straight into the game industry, right? But what got you into that? Like, as a child, like, growing up, what got you into gaming? Okay, so I think a lot of kids... Or, okay, I wouldn't call ourselves kids now. <laughs> a lot of people in our generation are into JRPGs. They're like, yeah, they're for anything. sure. I have a PS1 and I had played like Suikoden 2, Rhapsody, a musical adventure. It's this girly RPG. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I, I know Rhapsody. Like, I actually okay, played that. Yeah. Wow. wow okay. <laughs> There's not a lot of guys I know yeah, who's played yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh, Final Fantasy 7 and Eight, you know, all the nine, usual. Uh, all the usual stuff. <laughs> all the usual stuff. Wild Arms, Breath of Fire. Chrono Cross, uh, yeah, yeah, all that those stuff. Things. So I was really into it. And so very similar to my other guest Luna, yeah. Yeah, um, one of the things I didn't have that I think a lot of the other gamers had were younger or older brother. There's two of us girls, and I was really into video games, and they don't even know where it came from because I never had a brother, and my cousins were all into like the sports. They're the sporty type. Like, all right. Uh, no one is even the the geek type in our family. And they were so weirded out. Where I kind of relate. Up? Yeah, totally. Where did, they, where did I pick up all these gaming <laughs> habits, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So 
for me, it was self-learning. Like I had to grind the games, like you know, learn the techniques, how to you know solve the puzzles. And I was really young. And oh, so you had no one in your family that had like no one, had the same interest as you, yeah? And no one could help me solve the puzzles. I have to worry about how to finish this. And sometimes I'd get so frustrated, but I'd push on because you know I want to know what happens next. Man, yeah. I like super feel for you because yeah. I, like I'm the only one in my family that is actually also into gaming. Just like you, I had no one to help me. I had mm -hmm. no one to help me like, how do I get past this level? Yeah. How do I get past this puzzle? Like, and my sister would be like, I don't know anything about games. Yeah. Um, my mom and dad would be like, we regret buying you this Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even, I mean, I was a very shy person back in elementary, grade school, mm -hmm. uh, high school. I wasn't really that friendly. Like, I would, you know, read books in my own corner. And it was very tough for me because I didn't have anyone to ask. I don't have anyone who could help me out with this interest of mine and I guess I'm kind of happy that all of the experimental games I've tried like would you believe I managed to snag a Sailor Moon fighting game in Japanese and, <laughs> I, I think I've seen that one and, yeah and then I had this other game where you know Tamiya right yeah Let's yeah the cars. Go, the cars yeah. I actually got the racing game for that alright in my PS1 and I had a lot of interesting games that I don't know how I managed to buy because I'd have no one to ask. Yeah, There's those no sound pretty to, rare, yeah. Yeah, no one to set the standards or tell me which games are good. I would usually just buy in bulk and hope for the best. And Same here, to, actually. Now that I think about it too, I mean like I had no outside influences as well and like now I'm just wondering what made me gravitate towards Final Fantasy 7? What made me buy that? What made me buy Final Fantasy Tactics? Huh, that's super interesting. I guess we just sort of gravitated Have, towards those games and here's one of the games that a lot of people wouldn't know a vanguard bandits oh uh, nope nope no, drawing no. a blank it's, it's what is that it's like a it's like final fantasy tactics okay it's a grid type tactical rpg mm -hmm. and it has a lot of good soundtracks what was it called again vanguard vanguard what? bandits vanguard bandits it, uh, it not ringing a, a bell it has a mecha setup also like front mission 3 that kind of stuff uh, i haven't played that oh man <laughs> oh, that, but anyways yeah vanguard mm -hmm. Vanguard Bandits, Eternal Eyes, those are the TRPGs that I played, tactical RPGs. And it was weird for me because, you know, again, all these games that at first glance, it's not that easy to pick up and play. Yeah, I had I difficulties mean, playing that game. It took me like a lot of time, maybe more than a week to, you know, sort of get things done without dying and dying. And I mean, like some of these games, like you said, that Sailor Moon game, it's in mm -hmm. Japanese. It's in Japanese. <laughs> How the, the hell are you supposed to read that? No, it's trial and error. I had to like select and hopefully you know, it turned out okay for me in high school I already memorized hiragana oh wow alright yeah I, it was weird because I liked learning Japanese at that time that I picked up hiragana and when I got into college it was kind of easy for me because I kind of already know that okay so, so when it came to Japanese yeah. it was also games that started you there yeah pretty much oh, so that Sailor Moon game that was in Japanese like helped inspire you to take up like your minor in Japanese studies huh yep exactly huh, that's super interesting I wanted to work at Japan after I graduated. I was thinking maybe I could go to Japan and find work there. But then I did a couple of research and found that it's not really a good idea to work in Japan if your Japanese isn't at that level. Oh yeah, you, you need to be at a very high yeah, level of yeah. Japanese in order to yeah. move there. So huh? that stopped me as well as in my last year in college, undergrad at Ateneo, I met a lot of friends who were Japanese and they were telling me that they're leaving Japan because, you know, as a female, there's not a lot of things that they can explore career-wise. Oh, really? It was okay.
okay, but in general, they felt limited and they wanted to travel because they felt that they had more opportunities abroad, elsewhere. Okay. Elsewhere. Huh. So that kind of made me think that, okay, then let's see. That's super interesting. Now that we're talking about mm-hmm. that, now that we're in that headspace, mm-hmm. this is bringing back some memories from my interview with Luna as mm-hmm. well. And like, um, now that you've mentioned it, growing up as a girl, growing up mm-hmm. as a female within this industry, within this type of interest, mm-hmm. how has that been for you? Do you have any perspective on that? I have never really had a lot of female friends like again I was a bit of a loner during my high school elementary days and then I went to college and decided you know what it's time for a new me kind of like it, it's very manga-ish in a way that <laughs> I, would, I, I was one of those girls who would think okay I'll make a lot of friends I'll try to be more friendlier and oh man just I, like a shoujo manga yeah, yeah I know but and I ended up being the opposite of my very introvert self like, <laughs> people can't believe that I was that I mean friends from high school can't believe that I'm very very outspoken now and then friends from college wouldn't believe me that when I tell them I'm actually very shy and I don't really like a lot you know, <laughs> people staring at me I turn red so easily okay. that's one of the things that they make fun of me back in college so yeah as a female gamer I never really had a lot of female friends in the first place so I was very comfortable hanging out with the guys I've been one of the boys since forever so it and, never really bothered you yeah and the weird thing is I don't dressed like a guy I'm not the typical tomboyish girl either so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was very kikai in my fashion because <laughs> my mom is very fashion conscious along with my sister would you believe they wouldn't let me out of the house without you know looking like someone from fashion magazines because they think you know what that's our business my mom's into the clothing they uh-huh. tell me okay we have all these clothes don't dress up like you're going to the market or yeah. something you have to dress up and look nice so <laughs> I'd always go out and sort of dress up so I'd be girly girl but then I'd be hanging out with these guys and this happened to me in my third year second year college where I was asked if the t-shirt I'm buying which is it has a slogan Magna Hum Laude BS Dota in the Blue Skies University or something <laughs> like that and I was okay. I was buying it for myself alright and then the one who's selling that is a girl who told me oh are you buying that for your boyfriend and oh, I'm, man. I'm like okay um no that's actually for me <laughs> So, well, yeah, after that, she looked at me weirdly because I guess she wasn't really a gamer. Oh, man, like, I'm really glad to be getting this sort of perspective because usually when we talk about, like, growing up as a female, as a gamer, things like that, usually you tend to get into that very negative headspace because before it was a very different time. Like mentioned in the previous episode with Luna, gamer was a very male term. But it seems like you were very well adjusted about it, yeah? I was, actually. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty lucky with my friends. Some of them actually started out as, you know, guys who were kind of interested in me as like a potential girlfriend material but when, when <laughs> okay. they got to know me they ended up thinking oh she's more of a younger sister type ah, rather Imoto. Imoto. <laughs> I ended up being a lot of guys Imoto and then they oh man I sound like such me. a weeaboo right now but <laughs> okay. okay okay yeah I was very protected in the way that you know if they think that that guy is a bit you know off Mm-hmm. They did protect me from all these. I was very sheltered. I had a lot of onichan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Before we go off the rails and like dive into anime land okay. over here. Okay. So when you grew up with these games, like you were one of the guys. Yeah. Um, you would play these games by yourself. Not everyone in your family was into yeah. it. You were into it. So you yeah. did a lot of self-research. Yeah. You taught yourself like a bit of Japanese even. Mm-hmm. So from there, when you hit college, when you graduated college, mm-hmm. what brought you to like secret? Six. What brought you the games industry? Actually, I was at Anino first. Okay. Anino. So, all right. But even before that, 
Oh man, all right, um, history, history. My, I interned at Pixel Stream Corporation. Pixel Stream Corporation was owned by the battle programmer of FF9, Nobuhiro Fujii. Holy crap, okay, yeah. that's a pretty so, big name. I know, all right. I mean, I, I didn't really know him until someone <laughs> pointed out. Okay. My, my friends told me that, oh hey, you know, he's Nobuhiro Fujii, he's like this guy. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> all I, right. I, I never looked at the credits before, <laughs> as I said. So I was pretty lucky that there was a career fair and there was this Pixel Stream Corporation over there okay. and I just passed by and someone told me oh hey we're a game dev company you might be interested in looking into you know uh, careers in game development and I'm like okay I'm in interactive multimedia so I might as well so when I applied there the HR told me that oh did you know that our boss is actually at UP giving his talk and he'll be here in a couple of hours if you could come back you can have your interview right then and there oh wow and I'm like oh Okay, I don't have to go to Makati to have my interview. I could have it there. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, okay, so I went around, you know, went back there in a couple of hours and then had my interview mm-hmm. when the boss arrived and he was like, oh, okay. So he had a very thick Japanese accent. And then <laughs> uh, when he read my resume, he found out that one of my profs, Eric Vidal, mm-hmm. he's also one of the pioneers in game development. And he was one of the first professors who taught anything game related actually in Ateneo. Mm-hmm. So he told me that, oh, hey, I know I know Eric Vidal. And I'm like, okay, yeah, he's my prof right now. And then for some weird reason, he liked me well enough. His questions were very, I would say, pageant type questions. Pageant where, type? What yeah, do you mean? He, he was gauging someone's passion for a video game. Oh, and all right. That's super really, interesting. Yeah. It was really more of a, he was gauging what you can contribute to the industry. And it was less technical and more about how you look into video games as a whole. Like, what's your mindset? Oh, that's pretty cool. Because usually in like in any other sort of industry, any other sort of corporation, they're going to be looking at your clerical skills. They're going to be yeah. looking at like what you can offer numerically, what yeah. you can offer, know, right? what is quantifiable. Exactly. But like this guy was looking at your, um, your vision, your vision, yeah. what you can offer in an abstract fashion. Your vision, your passion. So it was surprising. Mm-hmm. And I guess I answered correctly. <laughs> he liked my answer. So mm-hmm. there and then he told me, okay, uh, when can you start? Oh, Oh, that's super internship. cool. So I never had that problem where I worry. Where, where am I going to get a job? So, okay, so that's pretty cool. You got a fast track. You were pretty lucky when it came to that. So from Pixel Stream, how did that transition to you going to Secret Six and you actually going off to take your master's? Yeah. <laughs> that's another longer story. Oh, so, man. We don't have to like yeah, okay. go into it super. But, but like, here's a funny thing. Okay. Uh, Aysen is a professor in... ITGDD as well. Mm-hmm. I met him at Pixel Stream when game development isn't there yet. So there weren't a lot of companies and he was there to learn as a professor. Alright. To learn the skills needed by programmers and then what he did learn he brought to Oh sorry, that's not I oh, that's not <laughs> I I got the name wrong. Okay. okay. It was Charles. Yeah, it was No Charles. pressure, no pressure. Come on. His name. I'm sorry, I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um I met one of the GDD faculty. Okay. That time it wasn't GDD yet. There was no GDD yet because mm-hmm. they were still formulating how they'd approach it. So it was weird like that. So yeah, I mean, two years after then, I never expected I'd be teaching at CSB. So All right. before Secret Six, majority of my time was with Anino Games, now PlayLab. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anino Games, pioneer of game dev. Luna was from there. Yeah. My first interview. 
interview with Niel, he was telling me that, oh, did you know we have this artist turned producer slash designer? You might be interested in pursuing that track because at that time, I told them that I don't want to be a programmer. I prefer game design. Well, at that time, I didn't know much about game production yet. Mm -hmm. So I was interested in becoming a game designer and they were telling me about this Luna person and then I researched her and then found a lot of interesting things and she became one of my idols at that time when I first got into like, as a fresh grad who do I look up to oh that's super cool I know right yeah she was one of those persons that I never really I mean she hasn't been my direct mentor but I've been following her uh, publications like her quick and dirty prototyping all these ways how she manages her team how she basically she's one of my inspirations oh actually. man I hope Luna listens to this episode <laughs> I hope she hears this this sounds great <laughs> my first meeting with her it was an IGDA meeting IGDA stands for International Game Developers Association mm -hmm. she had this talk I felt so embarrassed now <laughs> because okay. I went up to her and told her you know what I look up to you you're, like, you're so <laughs> awesome I'm not sure if she still remembers me being that young kid who was fangirling over oh, meeting someone yeah. who's like awesome you've been in the industry for so many years and so we never really pursued the same path but it was interesting because a lot of the things she's done I mean she's one of the female game developers I look up to oh wow like this conversation is just making me really happy because like with my previous interview with Luna like those are the things she hopes she could be but now you're like reaffirming that you know yeah. I mean like it's such a small world and like I'm really glad that I'm getting to know this industry in this intimate sort of fashion you know it's a pretty small industry yeah I mean, Luna told me the yeah. same thing <laughs> oh man yeah so from Anino Games so I've been a QA there I've been trained for a bit as a game designer but again I decided to pursue game production okay I had good mentors in JD Abasolo and in Mac Karanseha they're like <laughs> they're, they're my uh, Anino Games mentors that time and then from there I decided to expand and try my because here's the thing Anino that time was very established they had processes they had ways mm -hmm. they have set processes that you cannot really basically they have their way of doing they things have yeah their way of doing things and I wanted to try something and the only way I can do that is in a different company so here comes Paul Gadi from IGDA as well one of the veteran he was with Luna at Altitude Games mm -hmm. you know they're the first gen basically mm -hmm. and he told me that oh hey Secret 6 is currently working with DreamWorks for this project called How to Train a Dragon and, <laughs> whoa okay and, more <laughs> and big names <laughs> holy crap so, okay so I was like okay um well I, at that time I was an associate producer Producer by uh, transitioning to a you know game producer who wanted to explore my own way of handling things and I went to Secret Six. They offered me a job and basically I got to work with DreamWorks. Oh, that's super cool! All right, on how to train your dragon, <laughs> man. I mean, like usually I'm not a fan of a lot of the DreamWorks movie, but like How to Train the Dragon was like yeah. one of the better ones in my opinion, completely. And small surprises over there because I had a couple of students working for Secret Six at oh, that time. Oh, okay, that's wow. Oh, that was right. when I mentioned earlier in our interview, like there were these kids saying, Oh, hey, Miss Lisa, <laughs> we're glad you're here. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. From a company with the people around my age, in Anino, everyone's in the same level. Everyone's around like with the same years of experience okay. or even more. Uh -huh. So it's kind of hard to break out of that junior, that junior, uh, junior level, level of role. Of role. Uh -huh. So when I went to Secret Six, I had 
more responsibilities, more senior roles, and suddenly these students appear in front of my eyes, greeting me, <laughs> greeting me with respect. And then I guess you know, since they're calling me Miss Nika, I've been okay. telling them, no, you don't need to call me Miss Nika anymore. <laughs> but then the rest of the guys also followed suit, so they were all Miss Nika. Miss Nika. Oh and man, like, oh, like that's the first time I felt, oh god, I'm getting old. Yep, yep, yep. Like so, mm-hmm. I had to, of course, I had to, you know, step up my game and show them that yeah, I'm worthy to be called Miss Nika. So um, <laughs> at that time, I was co-producing that project with Paul Gadi, and I learned a lot from him. You now, and see, see, these are the pioneers, and I'm learning from them. Luna indirectly, and Paul Gadi as a co-producer, he was there to sort of, you know, get me uh, calm. It was a very big project, so at one point, I was really, really scared. And, you know, the the our contact in Remus was a very scary person. <laughs> so the first generation really has been guiding you under its wing, yeah? I know, yeah. Oh man, so that's really nice. Really, I, I was quite happy to be under these great, you know, legends. Oh hoping, man. And I'm hoping in some way to be, you know, at that level mm-hmm. for, for the younger generation. Like, I really hope they hear this because like, I'm sure for someone like them, in their heads, they're actually in the same position as you wherein like, they're just trying to prove their worth as yeah. well. And like, I think it's something that some people need to hear that like, some people look up to them or like some people treat you as a role model I'm sure some of your students over there in Secret Six are like oh Miss Nika's here like I have to be like I have to aspire to something like that and like I'm sure that everyone just aspires to be something greater than who they think they are and I think people need to hear that people do think that way about themselves that's super great okay now that we've talked about a lot about your career we've talked about like how you progressed from liking video games as a child and like moving on to like actually immediately getting to video games like with that guy from F, like Final Fantasy IX, yeah, was it? In, yeah. in Ateneo, near Power Up. And then moving on to Secret Six. We've talked about that at length. We've gotten very in-depth and like it's super interesting stuff. But like there's another dimension of this that I want to start talking about okay. now. Um, So now that we've talked about your professional life, we've talked about your career, your views on the industry, your mm-hmm. views on the younger generation, your views on like how we should be approaching topics mm-hmm. like this. I'd like to get to know you more as like an individual. Like for as example, a gamer. as a gamer, actually. Okay, so like one of the things I want to talk about is like how do you spend your free time like I'm looking around here right now I'm just to get our listeners up to speed I'm invading someone's house again as I usually do and Miss Nika was like wonderful enough to welcome Donna and I here at her home and like looking around I'm like seeing a lot of board games around what's that about do you like enjoy playing board games regularly yeah actually I have this close group of friends we always play board games whenever like what we usually do is uh, around lunchtime we have lunch at Shangri-La or somewhere nearby and then we would start playing board games after lunch so it's around 1, 2 p.m. Okay. And then we'd stop playing at maybe around 8 to have a late dinner. Holy crap, so like 7 hours of game? Yes, and then we'd go to the nearest karaoke place that has Japanese songs. They're my geek group. Like, they're my best friends. They're like my barcada in a lot of things. That sounds a lot like my friends back in college. Like, we would just bunker down at like a random cafe. Usually, Mm -hmm. actually, Chocolat near Ateneo. We would just like go there and we would just play a tabletop RPG Mm -hmm. for like eight hours on end and Mm -hmm. shit like that. And I would DM and... Wow. um, And like, it was a massively fun time. So you guys still do that until now? Yeah, well, a couple 
guys have went abroad. So we trimmed down a bit, but we're still okay numbers-wise. Okay. And yeah, so as I was saying, a lot of us actually go to karaoke places, look for a karaoke machine that has Japanese songs. Okay. Usually, some of them are updated. They have the latest Japanese song, like they have Vocaloid songs. <laughs> oh, man. Anime, the latest anime songs. And we'd be singing those songs. Oh, shit. And like... when I'm with them, we don't sing English songs. <laughs> pop culture. We we'll all sing all these classics. Oh, like man. Yu Yu Hakusho song, Arigato Gozaimasu. Arigato Gozaimasu. Oh, man. Shit. Okay, okay. Sorry, listeners. That's us I'm singing. Sorry. But okay. Okay, so we go sing a lot of Japanese songs. And for those who can't sing Japanese songs, we usually rely on the internet. Go to anime lyrics and read the Romaji version of it. So, oh, man. All right. And since some of us can read Japanese characters like kanji, katakana, hiragana, we're fine looking for songs and then those who are familiar with the Japanese characters would be inputting the numbers and then the rest would be loading up the English lyrics. Okay. That's super cool. Like, I've been to like these karaoke places like once or twice before but you guys do this regularly, huh? Yeah, so we have board games, we have karaoke but they're that group who does not play Dota. And okay. Let's look at it this way. If you're gonna look at it in a relationship perspective, Dota 2 is like my wife. <laughs> and then board games is like my mistress or something. <laughs> alright, alright. so, at the end of the day, I'd still want to play Dota 2. Like, then, no yeah, matter I, what been, happens, you yeah. are going to sit down and have a game or two of Dota, yeah? Yeah. Oh I mean, man. It used to be really bad wherein I have to have a game a day you know, before sleeping. Oh man, I like, used to be like that with League of Legends and Heroes yeah. of New Earth all the time. And now, like, I'm trying to trim down because, like, I'm starting to lean that way for Heroes of the Storm. And I just don't oh, want to, yeah. like, fall back into that trap. <laughs> I've been playing... Dota, like in Warcraft Dota mm-hmm. since 2005, first year college, oh, and man. it almost ruined my education. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I'm one of those, uh, I'm the type of person who once I get addicted to it, I get really addicted to it. That's the yeah, only thing the on only your mind, thing yeah? My mind. So I would be cutting classes. I know students, <laughs> please don't, don't judge me, but I would be cutting classes for... That's Miss Nika, <laughs> your teacher, cutting classes. Alright. <laughs> As a student, I have this funny story as okay. a professor. After class, mm-hmm. I would usually go out with a couple of students of mine to play League of Legends. At that time, I was transitioning from Warcraft 3 Dota to, to Dota uh, League 2. of Legends and then Dota 2. So okay. there was this time in my life where I played League of Legends with my students because they don't play Dota. So in order to bond with them, I would be playing League of Legends with All them right. after class. And that's actually a very different system, yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw a student of mine who wasn't there earlier in my class and I was like, okay, so you were here all along. You weren't in my class. He was so shocked that oh, time. Man. Hi, Miss Nika. <laughs> oh man, like it's really tough when your teacher is actually into the games and stuff like this because, you know, as a gamer, usually you'd be thinking like, oh, this teacher yeah. doesn't know anything yeah. about these types of habits and where I hang out. But when you're into yeah. the same stuff they are, man, it's really easy to catch it them in the act. very, very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we're talking about that, uh, so on your free time, you go play the board games with your friends. You also do the karaoke, the yeah, Japanese yeah. stuff. You're very much into the Japanese culture yeah. yeah and your waifu like the, the waifu, your, yes. your one love you can't get rid of is the Dota 2 the, the, the MOBAs yeah. okay so that brings me to this though because it's been something I've been mm-hmm. wanting to ask medyo kanina pa mm-hmm. so a while ago earlier you were talking about something called the Game Developers League yeah so what's that 
all about. I'd like to get to know a bit more about that because that sounds like something that is very Dota oriented, very competitive, maybe Hearthstone, that kind of stuff, yeah? Yeah. Actually, the first iteration of Game Developers League, it was an intercompany thing. It was Dota 2. My team back then was called Ninja Boys and it was a mix and match of a lot of different people I know who were into Dota that I know were really good and we joined the competition and won. So we're currently the... <laughs> I, I, I'm plugging this in, but my team is currently the defending champion of the GDL series Dota 2. So, in the second iteration, there was a Hearthstone competition and I wasn't able to join that. Hearthstone, that's yeah. something I'm really into right mm -hmm. now too, okay. Yeah, so for season 2, they had that competition along here at Shaw area, at okay. Toby's Game Cafe. Toby's Game Cafe, alright. Here's a bit of a fun fact. Toby's mm -hmm. Game Cafe is owned by a game producer. He was a game producer for Anino Games and now I think he's with Fun Guy Studios. Not sure, I don't really follow that guy. Mm -hmm. but Basically, the owner of that game cafe is also, you know, in the video game industry. Ah, I should check that out sometime. It's just over there. Alright, alright, alright. And then, so after season 2, now we're into season 3, winter series, mm -hmm. uh, GDL season 3. And it's Dota 2 again, so it's now time to defend my title, <laughs> our title, fine. Alright, um, alright. This time around, my team's name is Ninja Bears. Um, Ninja Bears. I'm mostly with, they're not really startup. Are you familiar with Surpass? Surpass. I, I've heard the name. They started their own game dev department. Okay. They're originally in mobile apps or something. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not really familiar with them, but my boyfriend works there. Okay. And he and along with a couple of other Surpass guys and me and a couple of friends would be joining. This November 1, I'm plugging it in <laughs> if you want to watch. This November 1, we'd have this LAN game. It's from 12 noon to I don't know how long it would take for us to finish our competition but it's we are seven teams and we're basically competing for the bragging rights on who's the best Dota 2 team wait a minute November 1? November 21 November 21 okay 21, okay okay yeah. 21 alright so it's a Saturday at Mineski Infinity oh really yeah. alright Mineski um, Infinity and actually we got featured in Mineski.net because I have a couple of friends whom I asked if we could you know have it featured somewhere in Mineski and they're like very accommodating and they told me oh just you know PM news at mineski.net and you know they post it and okay. I'm quite happy that we're getting the exposure we're okay. not at the level of like the Mineski pro team yet okay but, so yeah. not, not pro gamers just yet but getting the exposure getting there I'm actually kind of surprised <laughs> because like I thought this game developers league thing was just like a private thing among the companies but like you're saying this is something that you guys do in public and you're actually are getting featured by the local gaming scene well, Mineski okay. of course we're amateurs and a lot of the game developers are we're actually kind of worried that you know people will tell us that we're noobs or something. <laughs> but there's this shyness there's this factor that you know a lot of people would think uh, oh you know game developers yeah I mean they're, they're just probably focusing on making games but at the end of the day we're still gamers I mean that's right? why you got into game that's design right, for sure exactly so of course we're not at that level where you know the pros are fighting right now uh, actually man I was supposed to watch Frankfurt Germans I am kind Currently supporting Vici Gaming. Okay. Are you familiar with the esports uh, team now? I haven't okay. been up to okay. date with the esports scene. I know I should be, but like I haven't been able to find the time. Well, the thing is, the Frankfurt Majors is actually happening right now, and I'm supposed to be watching. Oh them. no! I, I, I'm really <laughs> no, sorry. Okay. I'm taking you away from your tournament. It's okay. Holy I mean, crap! I love watching the tournaments, but you know, I mean, 
this opportunity is to be able to speak out and you know let people know what I think, what I can share in some way. I hope that it, it's something big either way. So I can just watch the rebroadcast <laughs> or the replays. It's fine. I mean, I guess that's what's great about the internet, really, yeah. because like if you were a fan of traditional sports and you missed mm -hmm. the game, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. But like with our scene, with the esports scene, mm -hmm. there's gonna be an archive out there on the internet mm -hmm. for sure because we live on the internet. You know what I mean? Exactly. Okay. So anyway, so we've talked about all sorts of shit already. Like we've talked about your career, we've talked about your views on the industry, the way you've been teaching your students. We've even talked about like my like, life story, <laughs> your life story okay. basically. And like we've talked about the Game Developers League and yeah. like how you guys are like forming this very tight knit community of mm -hmm. game developers who want to game out there, who want to get out there into like a very competitive scene, mm -hmm. but like amongst yourselves. And, yeah. and to me, that's pretty cool because like I'm always a big fan of like these tight knit communities of like people who know each other or people who work in the same industry or people who just love the same things and yeah. like I'm glad that you guys are starting this type of community within the industry and like I hope you guys do more of this kind of stuff and I hope that maybe like you let the public in on it like maybe one of these days we can watch like a game developers league match you know yeah well we're streaming at twitch right now oh, but really the finals we're not at that level where we have casters and all that <laughs> but you know if you want to be a caster for our game oh seriously oh man <laughs> I'd like that's something that's always been on my on my like list of things I'm interested in yeah. and I would be completely game if you guys invited me for something <laughs> like that but like I gotta brush up on all of the things because I actually don't play yeah. I, I actually don't play a lot of Dota 2 <laughs> well not just Dota 2 again we have Hearthstone tournaments oh I've been playing a lot of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so now that we've talked about all of that and that's like some really great stuff some really great community building great teaching mm -hmm. great ways of teaching I mean like that RPG idea you shared a while ago that's something I'll be taking with me I mean like that's something I think you've taught me something because wow. like not just the students I mean like sometimes a lot of people just approach the educational system in a way the traditional way the traditional yeah. way in this very lackluster manner of like just like slapping information into the face of yeah. the students without actually thinking about what they're good at and I think that's my main takeaway from this interview today and I think as a teacher you've taught me you've <laughs> wow. taught me on like how to approach not just students but people mm -hmm. Because what you mentioned, what you mentioned about like that kind of teaching system, mm -hmm. I think it applies to everything, really. I mean, yeah. when you approach someone, don't think of them as just like this, this, this like walking slab of meat with information in their heads. Yeah. Like think of them as like, oh, what's he good at? How does he perceive the world? Yeah. How does he want to approach this problem? How does she approach things in her world? And to me, that's a very interesting view. And like, it's very admirable that someone can have that sort of perspective on the individuality of everyone. And I thank you for teaching me that okay you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> now that we're talking about all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. usually around this time of the show i get to asking my guests about like all these things all these things about like the games industry mm -hmm. getting into gaming getting into geek culture i mean mm -hmm. you're into the japanese subcultures and things <laughs> like that um to any of our listeners out there to any of our younger listeners out there who maybe want to pursue a career in video game design maybe pursue a career in like things you're into what would be your advice for them i mean like you mentioned a while ago you had this fast track interview and things like that yeah. but like with your experience in the industry I mean like you've uh -huh. been all over the place what kind of advice could you give to someone just starting out what kind of advice would you be able to give to someone who wants to reach out and maybe dip their toes in the industry yeah 
build your own portfolio. I mean, if you can make your school project in such a way that you can already create a game demo, like for example, in my history class, I made an RPG about our Philippine history. It okay. was pretty easy to do because it was just scripting. There was an RPG maker, there were technologies that made it easy to make this story happen and make this game happen. So in some ways, if you can start building or start making board games, video games for your school projects or even outside school, it's already a big plus. A lot of the companies are looking at your resume with the portfolios in mind. Like how much do you know? How much have you created? Okay. How would you impress? You have to stand out. A lot of the graduates of like CSB or those with the game dev courses would have portfolios already. Mm-hmm. So if you're not from those schools, you should either have something that you can show off. Like just a simple game. It can be like a simple snake and ladder. Basically game. get your feet wet. Get, yeah? get your feet wet. Try to do something. Even if it has to be... I don't know. If, uh, if Just... Do it. Just, Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Just Shia LaBeouf here. Shia LaBeouf guesting on a meal in the morning at night here. Okay. Just do it. This is very interesting actually yeah. because what you're saying is along the same lines as what Luna was telling me. Mm. You guys have the same sort of mindset. Like it's kind of showing that like you really, really like we're under the wing of this woman here. Like Miss Luna Cruz. And like she also mentioned that like you should just get out there. You should just do it. Just yeah. do it. Oh man. Okay. Um, enough of Shia LaBeouf. But like with that said now, um, with that said that people out there should just do it. People out there should just like get their feet wet. Mm-hmm. If they were to reach out to the industry however mm-hmm. I mean like a lot of people here on the local scene might not even be aware that there is an industry going on here right now because when you think games you don't think the Philippines right yes when you think games you think Japan when you think games you think the US mm-hmm. or, or maybe some um, European studios Singapore yeah. things like that mobile gaming yeah. um, but when you think gaming you don't necessarily think Dito you know? yeah, exactly. And to me, that's kind of sad because now that I'm learning a lot about your industry, now that I'm learning a lot about um, the things I love here locally, because yeah. I love video games, I love gaming, I love uh-huh. board games, I love everything like that, but I'm not very familiar with the local culture. And now that I'm learning about it, I'm learning that we have a very, very interesting set of individuals within our games industry. And I would like for people to get to know these people and for people to get into this industry. So for people just starting out or maybe for people who don't even know that this sort of thing is a thing how would they be able to reach out how would they be able to find you guys well we have this association called IGDA International Game Developers Association I've mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier so yearly we have game jams it's uh, well if you're familiar with hackathons hackathons okay yeah, in the dev community when you have this overnighter where you work on making this app with a theme basically it's hackathon except for games there's a game theme every year it happens around the world. It's very global. But a yearly game jam, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's very popular uh-huh, uh-huh. because, you know, you can just show up and... And just do something. Just do something and meet people. You uh- can be a complete, you know... You can be a complete noob at it. <laughs> Sorry for the gamer lingo. You can be a complete noob at it and just go there, meet people. Meet can, like-minded individuals. Yeah, like-minded individuals and learn from them because you're going to be in this enclosed space with lots of different people. Majority of them are either industry professionals. Sometimes there's a couple of students mixed in. It, it's really a mixed group. And okay. You just go there and join. And you just game jam. And you just game jam. Okay, that sounds super fun. Based I mean, that sounds super fun to me because like way back when, like 
I would have game jams with my friends all the time and like we would dedicate one day or one weekend to just like okay sit down let's come up with a concept let's make a game yeah right for our listeners out there who might not be familiar with how a game jam works yeah. it's just like you grab a theme you go with it and you like just dedicate yourself to that and you try to push out a game within a limited amount of time yeah so you guys hold an event where people just get together and do a game jam yeah. w- with one theme so that happens every year yeah every year it's usually at the last week of January you should visit Igda just join the Facebook group you can just join there and ask people we're all very friendly we don't bite <laughs> so that's Igda, Igda. Um, the International Game Developers Association the International Man- Game yeah. Developers Association Manila, just look for that on just, Facebook yeah. Manila yeah okay that sounds great that sounds great so far Um, just to make sure is there anything you want to talk about well you haven't asked me about my D&D character <laughs> holy shit okay 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 <laughs> yeah. like I don't want to skip over that very important part of your profile I mean like we've talked about your board games and stuff yeah. like that and like this is actually something very close to my heart and like I can't believe I sort of glossed over it I apologize for that okay. but in your guest profile you actually specifically mentioned your D&D characters I mean yeah. you even laid out their like full names in front of me and what editions they come from <laughs> and and to me that's like super cool that like you made that a part of your guest profile for me because that's something very specific that you're into huh? so so you're into the tabletop RPGs yeah. you're into Dungeons and Dragons and you mentioned a while ago that you regularly have campaigns with your friends yeah yep so what do you play actually we don't follow the Adventurers League, actually. We have our own homebrew because, again, as I mentioned, this guy who DMs for us, okay. for those who does not know, DM stands for Dungeon Master. Mm-hmm. So, Dungeon Master. Uh, basically, he's a game designer and he would, of course, refer to the, uh, the, manual. the manuals, 5e, right? We're at 5e uh-huh. right now, 5th edition. So he would be checking like, the latest monsters, the latest uh, edition, and he'd be mixing up a couple of older iterations of the end. 3.5e to spice things up because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of published works for 5e yet. Yeah, yeah. So and a lot of people are fans of 3.5. True. It's a very so, nice edition. So we are at our 10th episode. Okay. 10th episode meaning this is once a week. First week of the month we meet up, spend the whole day, literally our whole Saturdays dedicated from uh, <laughs> 12 noon to like maybe 1am Sunday actually. Okay. <laughs> like sometimes extend that ours. So yeah, man. These sorts of games require a lot of time. Lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a couple of party members who were in and out in a couple of episodes, but we were averaging around eight players. Okay, so that sounds like a very fun, very, active group. We're very dedicated in what we do because it's like a story. Actually, I feel that we can make a book out of our adventures. Yeah, man. That, that's usually the case, Th- right? That is a usually the case. Of the books fantasy books are based from D&D campaigns. Exactly. I mean, like, um, a, a lot of the fantasy lore we're used mm-hmm. to is based off this kind of stuff. RPGs, right? Mm-hmm. So, I actually have bought a lot of dice sets. So oh, <laughs> man. Like, um, in my bag right now, yeah. I actually have a full set of D&D wow. dice. I always have it. I always have yeah. it. Just in case a random D&D it's game breaks out. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> you right? have to bring it everywhere. You have to. You I, have I, to. I even brag it to my friends as my Kikai kit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in this very cute purple box and my purple frosted die are all in there. Oh, so man. I have this small figurine and in my cell phone is this app where I can keep track of all my character stats. And Holy shit, that and, sounds super fun. And then I also have spell lists. <laughs> it, it, 
I'm ready. Like, if you suddenly invite me to a D&D session, mm-hmm. right then and there, I will be able to join <laughs> your game. Ready. ready with all your character sheets, yeah. all your info, all your spell books, and just yeah. like that. Oh man, that's super amazing. I mean, like, I'm really glad to be talking to you about this because usually when someone's into the digital games, when someone's into the Dota, someone's into like the video games, yeah. like usually they gloss over the analog stuff, you know? Yeah. And like the analog stuff is something that's very close to my heart. And like a lot of people have yet to experience the joys of a D&D game, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just social si- interaction. Yeah, exactly. And like we're so used to the digitized form of storytelling yeah. that a lot of people don't know the exciting stories that can happen during a D&D game. Exactly. One of our favorite pastime activities is trying to break our DMs. I mean, <laughs> of course, as a person, as a game designer, you won't be able to anticipate how other people would react to your game. That exactly. is why we have game-breaking bugs. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if you're playing in a computer and you found that flaw, mm-hmm. it's automatically destroyed. It destroys the experience. But exactly. here in D&D, your DM could actually just roll along with it mm-hmm. they can adapt to that, it that's something that computers can't do for me that's the best part about D, especially when you have a good gm a good dm because yeah. not only is the story flowing from their mind and also flowing from your minds yeah. but at the same time when there's something wrong with the game there's a patch Yes, you know? it's like, automatic. I'm patching this game. I'm giving you the leeway to go the direction you want, <laughs> and then suddenly everything he wrote or you know outlined would be sort of changed. Yeah, exactly. On the fly, on mm-hmm, the go. Mm-hmm. If you killed off an NPC, they have to think of another way yeah, to show you that's super how fun. to progress. Right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, like sad. usually when I run like um when I run tabletop RPGs, I'm usually the DM as well, yeah. and like I have this one friend, see George, and he's like the bug guy. He uh-huh. he will consistently try to break my game wow. he will consistently try to break the flow of the narrative or yeah. break the flow of their quest in order to keep me on my toes you know exactly. what I mean and like for me that's that's the most fun I ever have because like I love like being very loose with the story being very like on the fly being very spontaneous with what my players find exciting and yeah. to me that's what a lot of people are missing nowadays because with a video game there's only so many things you can program into yeah. it you know especially when it comes to the agency of your player when it comes to making the choices in the game. I mean, like, when you're, for example, in Neverwinter Nights, you have, yeah. like, max three choices. That's true. You have a max of, like, walk away, stab the guy, pickpocket, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. It's very quantifiable. But when you're sitting at a table with a bunch of dice, with a bunch of your friends, yeah. with a DM, you can, like... The oh, limit is your imagination. Exactly. And a lot of people don't seem to appreciate that. And, like, at the same time, though, when I try to get people into D&D, when I try to get people into analog gaming, and it's their first time and they're like very intimidated yeah. but once they get into it they're like oh my god this is the best thing ever right <laughs> yeah uh, like some people I've gotten into tabletop uh-huh. gaming and they're not even actual video gamers yeah. like they're not gamers at all and wow. their first foray into gaming is this tabletop RPG and they love it it's just an amazing type of storytelling that I'd like to share more with the world, you know? Yeah. There's actually a lot of events right now for tabletop RPG. There's a couple of seminars at Makati BNB. Oh, yeah? Board games. I haven't told you about this, so no heads up okay. here. But my friend is a DM and he has these seminars with his friends. Uh, it's also a monthly thing. They have a monthly meetup where they discuss the different types of RPG, how to get, you know, casual, you know, non-gamers to get into RPGs like here's an example recently we played Dread so it's a horror RPG All right. like you're pretty much 
role-playing people from a horror movie. Imagine okay. you're in this very scary movie and of course, again, there's gonna be a moderator who would be giving you parameters like, okay, so how do you describe yourself? This is your archetype. So you so do assign each archetype. You're the jock, you're the black. And then you have a Jenga. The, uh -huh. Jenga, okay. Jenga. Yeah. okay. So you know how to play Jenga, Of right? course, you grab a little grab brick it. and you put it on top. And the thing here is that, for example, the number of Jenga pieces that you have to put on top or, you know, pull out mm -hmm. will be based on the difficulty of your character. The point is that it's not about surviving the game. Sure, surviving the game is fun, but it's writing a good horror movie or horror story. If you want to make it epic, how do you die in the most epic way? So uh -huh. You basically go through these um, situations and scenarios and then you'd be telling people now, okay, for example, I'm the moderator and I'll tell you that in this creepy voice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> your character is being chased by the monster and I'm sorry, I'm not going to say that. Keep going, keep going. Uh, your no judgment here. Okay. Your character is being chased by the monster. Uh, what do you do? So when I say, for example, well, I run away. So you mm -hmm. run away. So how fast is that monster? What is your stat? Are you the jock? Are you the geek? So based on your archetype, for example, if you're the jock, probably just one pull of Jenga. And then if you're the geek, probably you need two or three, right? Huh. So of course, you know Jenga. The higher yeah, it gets, the more difficult it is, uh -huh. the higher chance to topple. Uh -huh. When it topples, you die. Yeah, for sure. So there's that sense of dread uh -huh. that you don't want your character to die so you have to be really careful but then at the same time you're kind of scared because the setting of the story is you're in a horror story and you're kind of worried about your character and then you want to survive the, okay. the whole experience so there's this sense of uneasiness this shakiness that would alleviate that the harder it is the longer you get into the story the harder it is to survive that's like a really interesting way it to it mixes your emotions uh -huh. and it plays with your emotions yeah yeah exactly at the same time you're in there you're into this game because you want your character to survive yeah exactly right? you don't want to be the first to die in that, <laughs> in that horror game wow that's like a really interesting system in my opinion because like not a lot of people are aware of this but like when you're designing a horror game yeah. there's something known as like the curve like yeah. like the horror curve like the build up and the release uh -huh. you build up stress then you release like it's yeah. an art form that you have to master and Jenga helps you implement that exactly and that's like an amazing way to physically represent the horror curve because yeah. while you're pulling out those bricks and like you assign the difficulty of the task to the number of things you have to pull out and stack on top progressively as the game goes on the tension rises exactly and with the fall of the tower the tension is really least yeah that's just amazing to me because Mind usually though, right yeah yeah, yeah gamers yeah. think game designers so awesome <laughs> <laughs> okay anyways anyways um i'd love to talk more and i'd love to keep going on because like these are some really interesting conversations yeah. that are going on right now and i'm really enjoying myself but like sadly we have a limited amount of time so i hope we can keep talking like maybe off air or like maybe have you on for like another episode in the future if that's possible yeah. but like for now is there anything you'd like to plug is there anything you'd like to maybe talk about maybe link to and I'm sure our listeners out there might want to get in touch with you or something like that. Anything like that? Anything you'd like to plug? Well, 
I can't add you on Steam because sadly my Steam is at its limit. Holy shit! Okay, okay. <laughs> I have okay. students, I have friends, uh-huh. I have ex office mates, so it's kind of full. But if you wanna know, my in-game name is Ninja Gal. Ninja Gal. I'm usually Ninja Gal in a lot of the games. As soon as I can get, you know, beta <laughs> keys or whatever, just yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as soon as I register, I get Ninja Gal. So if it's not me, then you know. <laughs> and, uh, usually, if it's a game, if it's Ninja Gal, I try to get that name before okay. anyone else. So if you're running around the online world and you bump into Ninja Gal, it is probably our guest, Miss Nicolo. All right. <laughs> and then, well, I'm not affiliated with any company right now. So I mean, you're I, taking your yeah, masters, yeah. Masters, kind of busy. Um, and then there's the GDL. Please watch us and support Ninja Bears. Okay. How would we be able to watch this GDL? Like uh, you mentioned a while ago, you were on Twitch. Yeah, we're on Twitch GDL, but they're only airing the finals. Okay. But I'm pretty sure we're getting we're getting to the finals. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to jinx, but we're gonna get there and show you guys how we game. Okay, I yeah. sure do hope so. I mean, <laughs> and like I will try to get more into like watching the esports and stuff mm-hmm. like that because that's something I need to brush up on. Yeah. Especially if like one of these days maybe try to break into the casting like you mentioned yeah. a while ago. <laughs> but okay, so um, there's the Game Developers League and there's Ninja Gal all over the <laughs> online gaming world. Yeah? yeah. Anything else you'd like to talk about? Maybe plug, maybe a Facebook page. Um, how yeah. would maybe our listeners get in touch with you? I'm sure some of these people might yeah. want to get in touch, get to know you, maybe work with Just you. add me on Facebook, really. Uh, really? Facebook? Easiest, yeah, okay. that's the easiest way to get to me. I don't have a fan page yet. <laughs> <laughs> alright, alright. But yeah, you can just add me on Facebook. I usually reply to like people who ask me or mm-hmm. you know, just join IGDA and post a question. If I could answer, I will. Okay, so Facebook. Um, Do you have like maybe a Twitter, maybe an Instagram, anything like that? I'm not as active in Twitter. Me hey. neither. <laughs> Even <laughs> I though I consistently yeah. plug it, I hardly ever post there. Yeah, I mean, if it's a career opportunity, LinkedIn. But LinkedIn. You know, in general, just Facebook, really. Okay, so just look for Nicolau on the internet and maybe you'll find Ninja Gal, maybe you'll find her Facebook profile and things like that. Okay, is there anything else? That's it. Okay, um, lovely time we've had here so far tonight. We have invaded your home here and we're almost out of coffee. Like, (laughs) goddammit, I forgot to mention we were drinking coffee. I was having an espresso frappuccino and... I'm having a signature hot chocolate. Signature? Oh, that's not (laughs) coffee? Okay. I don't drink... Okay, here's a little bit of fun fact. I don't drink coffee. Okay, so, huh. It's a good thing I didn't mention it at the start of the episode then. I was under the impression this entire episode that I was having coffee with my guest, like my <laughs> usual thing, but you were having the chocolate. God damn it. <laughs> I drink tea. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a huge fan of oolong tea. Oolong tea, tea. alright, yeah. alright. Man, like, this whole time I thought you were drinking coffee with no. me, but you weren't. <laughs> oh, man. Alright, well, anyways, I had a great time. I had a great time talking to you. Hopefully, I can have you on again, maybe sometime in the future, maybe when you have another project going on. Um, anything like that? Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. Sounds great. I had a great time. Lovely Thank talking you. to you. Thank okay. You, no problem. Okay. Thanks. It's a wrap. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Fun, fun. And that was another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. Follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash a meal in the morning at night for announcements on when the next episode is out. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at at Emil Tang on Twitter. That's at E-M-I-L-E-T-A-N-G. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it over to emilinthemorning at gmail.com. Once again, thank you to everyone for joining us 
for another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night.